I hear Christians argue sometimes. They'll be arguing that God does not heal today. I say, Jesus is Lord. Why don't you just say the 2,000 naira is my own? I don't know what I get my point. If you are ignorant, argue on your own, in your own favor. They will be arguing against what is beneficial to them. Ah. Like I say all the time. People say, you know when you are getting older, your eyes get weaker, you start getting tired, you can't run like you used to run. Why do you want to believe it? If you don't know whether it's true or false, choose that it is true now. I don't know whether you get to my point. Yeah, I'd rather believe that one. But if I don't know, maybe I'll keep quiet. But many people, they keep on saying that thing, and the word becomes flesh. The birthing of the word is a process. For Jesus to come to this earth, do you think it was an easy deal? Many things happened, and that was the word of God. They had to find a young girl that will agree. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Many of us think that was the only Mary that they approached. I know God. Many Marys said, leave, leave me alone. This is how you spoil somebody's name in society. The angel left. <laughs> um, they considered it. I said, no. They argued until the angel left. <laughs> I don't have, we don't have time for it. It's not a joke. I tell you all the time, you see, if you go and read, listen to our series, uh, um, Genesis, the school of Bible exegesis in the book of Genesis, I explained some principles there that you think Abraham was the first God called. Let me tell you the truth. The only reason why I know Abraham's story was that he answered. Many people did not endure to the end. They were not saved. And God said, why write their story? How do I encourage people with these failures? So he took Abraham and wrote his story. It was when we were studying Genesis, I realized that Genesis was written from everything to Abraham. The whole of the story of Genesis was to get to Abraham. Go and read it. Go and start, check our series on Genesis. It was when I read it, I realized that, oh, everything that was being discussed was to get to Abraham. All the genealogy was to arrive at Abraham. All other stories are by the way. What am I saying? It was because Abraham agreed. Many times for the word of God to be birthed in your life is struggle. Uh, look, it's, it's, called a, it's called birth pangs. Your experience will be different. The word of God will be different. Sometimes you stand for a year, for two, for three, insisting that that word is what will happen in my life. You are fighting off everything and everybody that is saying that it won't be like that. You are refusing to accept the experiences that stay up otherwise. That's why I said the number one reason Christians have problems is ignorance. We keep on saying it. Number two is when faith is taking time for the word to manifest. You are getting my point. That is, the word is there. The word has to manifest. And you are insisting that the word is what I will stick with. During that period, you are going through what the Bible calls the trial of your faith. You get the point? Faith is being tried. That's what I spoke about earlier. Faith is being tried. Faith is being tried. That's number two reason. The third reason why Christians have problems is what is called the just recompense or reward for disobedience. Please, the death of Jesus has not said God does no longer respond to disobedience. No. The death of Jesus hasn't said it. I've heard people say that because Jesus died, God will no longer punish 
I'm not saying God will punish America, but it's an American preacher that was speaking. That God will not punish America because Jesus has died. I said, but why did he punish Jerusalem? Why did he punish Jerusalem? Was it not the same Jesus? Knowing he was going to die, was it not the one that said that, that the sins of the prophets from Abel down to Zechariah, so that it will, brought, it will be brought upon this city, so I will give them more prophets that they will kill. And he warned the disciples. When you see the armies surround Jerusalem, know that her desolation has come. The armies surrounded Jerusalem, I think like almost 70 years afterwards. After he had died and he had risen again from the dead. Why did his death and resurrection not spare Jerusalem? The fact that Jesus died does not mean God no longer responds to sin. Let's bear that one in mind. What am I going to say? All of this is how do we, you know, I'm building up again to how we pray in the time of adversity. That's what I'm building up to. To let us know that as believers, let's not, okay, I wanted to read something. Let's go now and read our, we said we should open somewhere at the beginning. Isaiah chapter 50, 38. Because of time, we'll read the story quickly, then I'll read another portion. The Bible says in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. The Bible says, Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, to Isaiah saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Now, if you now go down to verse 9, the Bible says, now notice this, a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. Now this is what he said. Verse 10, I said, in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol, that is the grave. I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I will not see the Lord, the, the Lord in the land of the living. I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. He said, um, like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. So he cuts me off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of me. I compose my soul until morning. Like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night, you make an end of me. Like a swallow, like a crane, so I twitter. I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. Oh Lord, I am oppressed. Be my security. He said, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I will wonder about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Oh Lord, by these things men live. And in, this, and in all this is the life of my spirit. He said, oh, restore me to health and let me live. Lo, for my own... Now, notice verse 17. Lo, for my own welfare... I had great bitterness. 
It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you, that is the grave. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who give thanks to you as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me. So we will play my songs on string instruments all the days of my life at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the ball that he may recover. Now let me just stop here. Why did I read all of these things that Hezekiah said? I want to try and debunk something from the mind of Christians who think that Hezekiah breaks a particular rule of coming to present his righteousness before God and he got away with it. That's what I want to quickly debunk. Now, Hezekiah prayed a prayer. Of course, this is how we Christians often are taught to interpret it, which is so wrong, 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 and wrong, and wrong, and wrong, and wrong, and wrong again. That is that if you have done something for God, bring it and show it to him. He said that a man went to, he built a church. He was not a member of that church. He built a church. One day his son took ill and died. And he carried the boy's body. To the church that he built, another church, assuming I'm coming to Kingdom World, and there's a, what's the name of your church again? Christ Light, eh? Christ Light Church. <laughs> I now go there. I go and say, let me build this church, and I keep the boy's body on the, on the altar. And I told the Lord, after I built a church for you, this is what I get. And the man turned around and left. And as he was leaving, the boy woke up from the dead. When I heard this story, I told my wife, it's a lie. God does not do such things. He does not do anything of such. If you try that with him, I've actually heard that people write books like, the Old Testament shows a God that is hard, the New Testament is a God that is soft. You don't know him yet. Go and ask those in Jerusalem, after Jesus left them. When they say, your house is left to you desolate. Go to the book of Revelations and read the story. When Jesus will return in his glory, you don't want to be there. When his eyes blaze, he wipes out one third of the inhabitants of the earth with one plague. Jesus Christ will die for them. I just like, when we are playing with God sometimes, I go, I will be laughing. I say, God, thank God you are patient though. Because if he wasn't patient, the amount of power he has and the terribility of his anger, is that English correct? <laughs> and the, look, <laughs> when you know that I was patient, Israel annoyed him one day, looked at Moses, said, Moses, stand back. I'm going to kill all of them. And I will raise only you as a nation. Moses said, I don't like the idea. You know, someone would think that God was just flying up in anger. Moses prayed. God said, no problem. Do you know who died for it? Moses. That forgiveness was not cheap. Moses had to die for that. I know what happened. All of them still died. All of them that I wanted to kill that day, they all died and died with Moses. Don't joke with this God, though. 
I hope you are clear what I'm saying. Don't even try. You gave one offering. You built a house. With whose money? The money that you were born with. When your mother gave birth to you, you shited and it was gold that came out. What am I going to say? There is nothing you achieved on the earth that was not a gift of God. So you cannot give to him first. You now come and say, I built a house for you. So what are you going to do for me back? Please. I hope, please, don't do it all. You know I've been warning. God is tired of it. He's tired. People will come to pray and they are raising shoulder. Look at my tight booklet. It is complete. And somebody now lied to you that if you tight, your life will not be tight. Listen, your life is already tight for having that thought in your mind. So when you give a tight, the devourer will be rebuked. Devourer ain't going to be rebuked in your life. You are not an Israelite. That's number one. Somebody said, but the Bible says, okay, let's get it. No, let me not go there. Let me not go there. I don't want to waste my time. When you want to pray, you know, we've gone over that again and again and again. Let's get back to what happened to Isaiah. Uh, to Ezekiah, which is what I want to explain. When Ezekiah went to pray, what he said simply to God was this. Let me summarize his words. His words were simple. That I have had no other God but you. I have walked... Now, when the Bible uses the word perfect, you have to be careful because you have to balance the scriptures well. David said something, if God numbered iniquity, nobody will stand. So when he uses the word perfect towards, God, towards us human beings, he didn't mean people who never do anything wrong. It means people whose hearts are united to God and are going after him all the time. So that everything they do wrong is a mistake, is an error, it's a sin that they committed for which they must be forgiven. But they are still going on the same journey. It is like I'm going to a nature. From Enugu, I get somewhere, I see a bad spot. What do I do? I slow down. I navigate it slowly. Assuming while doing that, I step on a nail. And after a few kilometers, my tires go down. I come down, I change the tire. Those are the spots of sin. Alright? I'm on one spot for 10 minutes. While I'm losing the tire, getting the bolts out, doing all of those, changing the, getting the new tire, putting it back, I may be there for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Looking for how to wash my hand, I start the journey Again, but all the while, I do not turn back from my destination. Yes. That's why I said, if he shall turn back, that is when my soul will have no pleasure in him. I was listening to David Paulson describe what they call the sinner amongst the Jews in the time of Jesus. That was the first time I heard that. He said, when the Jews call somebody a sinner, he said, a sinner is a person who has given up on the laws of Moses, who says it cannot be kept. So on the Sabbath day, he goes about his business. That's a sinner. Now for us also, I want us to understand what it means when you say a man's heart is perfect towards him. He doesn't mean he never does anything wrong, but he's only facing one direction. Towards God. So he's always learning, always getting better. Are you getting my point? And that's what Hezekiah was claiming. I never went after any other God. There is nobody else I know. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Where else will my help come from? Hezekiah was not bragging on what he had done right. He was saying to God that, listen, there is nowhere else to go. All my life I have followed you. You have been my only God. That's what Hezekiah was saying. I have tried my best, 
to follow you closely. And I said, how are you sure? It's simple. See what we read just now. Everything we see here is a small capture, capture, no, summary of everything. But after he recovered, he began to talk. This was what happened. Verse 17. Lo, for my own welfare, I had great bitterness. Did you see that? That for my own sake, I was afflicted. He said, it is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. Notice the last line. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. <laughs> Did you see that? The man admitted he had sins. Oh. So let nobody tell you the man was bragging and saying to God that he had done everything right. No. He acknowledged that you have cast all my sins behind your back. Why I brought this up is that the man explained something. It was for my own welfare I had great bitterness. What does that tell you? It means in the process of his affliction, the man learned some lessons. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let's see what David said about that. Psalm 119. Let's read from Psalm 6, uh, verse 67. Okay, let's start, let's start from 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. He said, you are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Now let me just jump down from, to verse 71. He said, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. He said, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now, why did I read this? We are talking about how to pray in the time of affliction. We are talking about how to cry to God for help. Why I said everything I said today is to let us understand that afflictions often come, all right, to help us look inwards. Affliction often comes to help us understand the laws of God. You know, the laws now being the principles, the precepts, the word of God. Affliction sometimes they come, or it comes, to help us. When you talk about being purified for, by affliction, that's what Isaiah was saying, Ezekiah was saying, that I had trouble, it was good for me. That short prayer you saw, okay, sometimes the Bible is summarized, we don't even realize the depth of the things inside. From the time that Jonah was thrown into the waters, till the fish came and swallowed him, a man drowns in a few minutes. All right? In those few minutes, the man had prayed a lot of intensive prayers from the bottom of the ocean that aroused God to send a fish to go and swallow him. We often overlook that. It was when he was in the belly of the fish, he began to recount what happened while he was there. What am I saying? Ezekiah faced the wall and prayed and wept sore. The man went through a lot of introspection. So much that at the end of the day, he said it was good that I was in that situation. That is one thing I want Christians to understand. Afflictions, is, they don't come just because you have enemies. Afflictions don't come just because the devil is there. Many times, affliction comes because that is the only way God can get your attention. 
That is what I want you to get. You know, I began by saying I was talking about pride. And I said some things about pride. The pride in the heart of men, in the heart of Christians, is when they don't get this point. They just believe that if things are wrong, it is something else that is wrong. I am not the one that is wrong. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. Let me say something to you today. If you have been on one spot for a long time, you are wrong. What did I say? Say if I, don't, don't say if you. Don't say if he, if she, or we. There's no we. It is what? I. If I have been on one spot for a long time, I am wrong. Now this is a problem with Christians. We think sin or being wrong is just, Lord, you know I have only one wife, I don't have girlfriends. Unlike my neighbor that has. See pride, I'm comparing myself with somebody else. And as far as I'm concerned, that means I've done everything right. Let me say to you as believers, God has many aspects of life in which he wants all of us, each one of us, individually especially, all right, to improve. Listen, God does. There are times he stands personally in somebody's pathway. And he says, I cannot let you enter into the next realm of life with this kind of heart attitude. Because if you do, that next level will destroy you. Let me tell you what the devil does to people. There is nothing the devil can give anybody that God did not want the person to have. The only difference is that God will say, walk before me, be perfect. I told you what perfection is, alright? It doesn't mean you never do anything wrong. He's saying, this area, let us fine-tune you and make you better. Then I will bless you. The devil says simply, we can enter that realm. It's not hard. Just bow to me. You wish anything you bow to the devil to get, God wanted to give you. The difference is the pathway by which you reach there. From us, God says, I will keep on improving your life, fine-tuning you, teaching you things. It takes a while. It may take a long time. But eventually you will get there. But the devil says simply, bow to me. And what does it mean to bow to the devil? It's simple. Do what is wrong to get what you want. That's, the devil is not, come and give me a shigdi, let me bow before it. Say, Satan, I hereby bow before thy holy presence. It doesn't mean like that. No, you know, that you, you, people, you know, someone would think Satan is very silly. He's not silly. He may be foolish, but he's not silly. He's smart about it. Huh? Church man like you, you've been going to church all your life, you will now bring a shrine. You will follow them to Okija. For what? He knows you're not going to go. So when we're talking about buying to Satan, it is what you know is wrong. Let me give you an example. Very practical. I want to go to, I want to go abroad. I want to go and do something. I go first time. No way. I go, there is no visa. I try. No way. So I've gone a number of times. No way. Then somebody looks at my application and says, what age did you write here? You write that you are 32. That is the age they don't give you, sir. Come write that you are 41. Once you change that, you have bowed. That's all. You say you are not married. Americans won't give you a visa if you are not married. Write that you are, in fact, you have two wives. Write their names down. <laughs> Once you write it, you are bowing to Satan. And let me tell you, like we read the other day concerning Asa. When you disobey God, you will get something. But you won't know what you lost. 
Asaph went and made a league with the people of Aram. And God said, because of that, one, you, are, you will no longer be able to defeat the army of Aram. And number two, from now on, your people, your nation will start having what? Wars. Please, I hope you are getting the point. That is how it works. What we're talking about bowing to Satan is to refuse to take a stand on righteousness because of what you are going to gain. Do we go through afflictions? Yes, we do. The primary thing a believer is supposed to do in the time of affliction, we've gone through the three reasons why we have afflictions. God is kind. Like Ezekiah said to us, it was for my own good that I went through affliction. He said in Psalm 119, he said, you are good and you do good. That was what David said. Verse 16, he said, you are good and you do good. And this was a man who just said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. That this my affliction was to help me come and keep the word of God. I was teaching somewhere yesterday. <laughs> now this is what I was teaching to the people. That God is not, God is not, it's not his primary assignment in life is not to make you rich, make you happy, make you have goods. That's not the primary thing he's doing. The primary thing he's doing is to form godliness. Form the image of himself into you. That's what the primary thing he's doing. That's the primary thing. Now, and I'm doing something. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says something. He said, first, I made you hungry. Did you notice that? The people were hungry. They were famished. They craved for food. He said, then I fed you with manna. What was the reason? He said, so that you will understand that man does not live by bread alone. Not to show my power. Not to punish you. But so that you will know how to keep my word. That is, they went through affliction and God solved it miraculously for one simple reason. So that the people will know that what they have is not the source of sustenance. That's what it means by not living by bread. They did not have food. God waited for them to be hungry. Then when they were hungry, they cried out to God and he rained manna. And he said, now, nah, have you seen it? It is not your food that sustains you. It's my grace. It's my mercy. He said, you went through this experience so that you will understand a, a, a key spiritual trait or a key spiritual knowledge that you are going to use to have breakthrough in life. I hope you are getting the point I'm making. Listen, when we have afflictions, that's the point I'm making. I'm closing now. I'm watching my time seriously. We are closing in the next five minutes. I'm out of here. I was saying that it's a terrible thing that we have done to ourselves in Christianity to blame all our troubles on the devil and afflictions and, and um, enemies. It's a terrible thing. But when we do that, what happens is at the end of the day, we miss the lessons of God. That's why I told us before about how Christians fast. That's why I explained it. We have troubles. It's not every time it's shouting, devil, Satan, devil, Satan. No. Is I first take side, time aside and realize that maybe the Lord is speaking to me. Maybe He is. Maybe He is. I'm, I tried, I mean, in business, I invested a thousand dollars, I lost it. I invested two thousand, I lost it. I got people to bring money, it was now up to ten thousand, I lost it. And I'm now looking for a million. There is a problem. First thing you do is say, maybe I don't know how to do business. For you to be able to say, maybe I am wrong, is one of the major traits that will take you into your destiny. You know when David carried the ark? Remember the ark of David? You remember what happened to him? 
I want to, there's a particular scripture I want us to read. But let's just go over the story again. David went to carry the ark. They, they put the ark on what? On a cart, being pulled by oxen. And then they got somewhere along the line. The oxen stumbled. And Uzzah died. And David was very angry that, God, why will you kill Uzzah? And God was looking at him, is it my fault? It was later on he got home. He was so angry, abandoned the ark somewhere. When he got home, he now meditated. Now realized that God gave an express commandment. Express commandment. When you want to carry the ark, you put the ark inside. You use a pole to lift it up. And it's carried, or two poles actually. It's carried on the shoulders of priests. You went and bought a Mercedes Benz. And you put it inside. And you said, this is for my God. My God deserves this. And God says, you must understand, I don't like surprises. <laughs> People don't get it. There are many Christians that go and become ordained as deacons in church. Or pastors. They become parish pastors because they think they are being promoted. God said, this is the reason why this boy will die. That's not a joke. Many men have died because of ordination. Because they are, if this boy remains in civil service, he will have retired at the age of 65. I will have sent him into another line of business. He will have finally died at the age of 92. Shortly after being the chairman at his great-granddaughter's wedding. But the day they say you are now a pastor, we are posting you to this parish. That was the day his age was cut off at 52. Who sent him? When did I anoint him to start handing the scripture and teaching the word? Yeah. What does he know? This is how he opens the door for evil spirits to start feeding the body of Christ with wrong doctrine. So I said, thank you. I don't like surprises. I know the people I call to be pastors and evangelists. You are most certainly not one of them. But somebody lied to you and said, I, but you know when the problem first starts in his family? He said, the devil sees that we are now committed to the work of God. He's not fighting us. Because I go so injure somebody. Because. <laughs> Please, I hope you are getting my point. These are real things, though. I've seen people who are committing sin. When I say sin, forget, look. All this adultery and fornication and telling lies are the small, small sins. The real sins is disobedience. When God says, don't go, you go. That is that sin. He said, that is like the sin of witchcraft. Listen, so when I'm talking about Christians, I've seen, like pre- pre- preachers will be there telling lies. You'll be looking at them, say, this thing you're saying is a lie. Then affliction comes. He said, the devil doesn't want this church to progress. And you want to call him and say, Pastor, okay, to come. Last week you preached a lie. Three weeks ago you preached a lie. Four weeks ago you preached a lie. God is now trying to stir you up for you to ask, what am I doing wrong? And you are claiming it is the devil. That's why David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Why did Ezekiah say, God cast my sins behind his back? It means the man found out what was wrong and he confessed. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, my time is gone, I want to close. If you are on the same spot for a long time, you are wrong. It's not your boss, it's not the economy, it's not the president, it's not your pastor. It's most certainly is not me. <laughs> you are just wrong. 
So what should I do? Stop fighting the devil. You simply go and pray. You say, that which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will not do it anymore. I hope I have made a point today. Yes, I still have things to say, but our time has gone. I want us to close now. Let's bow down heads and just give the Lord thanks. Why I said all this that God is Jojo. Satan doesn't have power like him. We are not fighting the devil in that area. Our wrestling against the devil is against his temptation as his negative words that he wants to fire against us. But God is judge. Say, Lord, thank you. And just pray that prayer simply. Have I been on one spot for a long time? It means I am wrong. Lord, show me that which I do not know. It's a very simple word. Most of the sins of believers are in the heart. What do I mean? It's the way they think. God says, I cannot lift you into political office the way you are reasoning. You will disgrace me when you get there. That is why you have lost every election. It's not because APC merged with CDC. Because they were the former party. CPC. It's not because AD, CPC and other people merged. It is because simply you are wrong. Say, Lord, show me what I am doing that is wrong. In my ministry, in my life, in my work, in everything that I do, Lord, teach me. Let's rise to our feet. I want us to close. Just pray, say, Lord, in my ministry, whatever it is, Lord, show me. Show me that which is wrong. Show me that which I need to be corrected in. Say, Lord, show that one to me. Pray like David said, the righteousness. I love that scripture. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall acquire life. Say, Lord, give me understanding that my situation might turn. Even if you say it was not my fault, God said there is something that will teach you, you will come out of it. Say, Lord, give me understanding and I shall live. Declare, Lord, though I know it's not the enemies, it's not the devil, it's not the people that don't like me, it's not the economy of the nation, it's not, it's not any of these things. It is only you, my God, that's my judge. If it's ignorance, help me. If it's disobedience, correct me. If it's a trial of my faith, make me patient. Strengthen me by your spirit with patience. With patience. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks for today. Thank you for your word of correction. Thank you for your word of instruction. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. I bless you with the blessing of God. Say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord will cause you to prosper in all that you do. The Lord will make your eyes see clearly that you will know that which is wrong so you may walk away from it. Many things people are doing in life that they think are right. God says they are wrong. (laughs) many of them, many of them. Just like I said earlier, many people are working hard that they may be appointed pastor. Because if I didn't call you such, it kills. It kills. It doesn't make your life good. That's why you need to pray that prayer in your heart. I declare to you, that which is wrong, that you are pursuing, the Lord will reveal it to you in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it is people that you are pursuing that is wrong. That is the idea that you are running after somebody. Because that is the wrong thing. He said, cursed is the one who trusts in flesh. 
Many of the afflictions have been because you are trusting in flesh. God will show you that which is wrong in your life in the name of Jesus. His aim is to purify you. You will come out pure as gold in Jesus' name. As you move about, God will keep you. He will protect you. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place in the name of Jesus. Last Saturday, last Tuesday we prayed. Please, if you were not around, try and get that CD. I was listening to it today, today, and I saw the prayer we prayed at the end. They are good prayers. You need to pray them for yourself. But I just want to pray a bit of it for you now. In this land, you will prosper. Amen. If you plant your seed, God will pour water on it and it will germinate. Amen. It will grow and bear fruit. Amen. It will bear fruit and multiply. Amen. You will be blessed in this land. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God will use you to bring a blessing to where you are right now. Amen. You don't have to run anywhere. You are not a sinner. Because if he said, hey, I will flee, he said, therefore, the thing that's running after you shall be swift. Many people have run to America. Poverty got there before them. Poverty got there. They haven't come home because they can't afford it. Only, he said, in returning and in rest, you will be saved. Amen. Therefore, I give you that word, return and rest. Amen. What does it mean to rest? To sit at home and do nothing? No. Whatever your hand finds to do today, do it with all your might. Do it with excellence. Do it with thanksgiving. Do it with gratitude. Do it and God will soon visit you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time. This is my season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus. Bless somebody, please, on your left and on your right. This is your season of fruitfulness and multiplication. In the name of Jesus. Somebody else.